Well, we're going to have an interesting, what are we in? This is the, February is the second month of the year. So we got, uh, we got nine months of this <laughs> up to uh, the election in 2024. And things can change. I understand that. But at this point, it looks like it'll be Donald Trump and Joe Biden once again, which is mind-blowing to me that you got a country of a half a billion people almost and, and those are the two that come forward but okay whatever america does what america does so donald trump is out on the campaign trail as you know and he has once again caused great hue and cry by again threatening to uh, i don't know essentially neuter nato i guess you would say should he win the election this november this is what he said on the weekend they asked me that question one of the presidents of a big country stood up said well sir uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by russia Will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. It's crazy on every level, right? <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, we'll get into how NATO works. There is no bill. There's no bill. That's not how it works. But nonetheless, it causes all kinds of reaction from all corners. And it came just days before NATO defense ministers were all meeting in Brussels, which is what they're doing now. Uh, those meetings started, in fact, with NATO Secretary General uh, Jens Stoltenberg once again trying to set the record straight on this. Since uh, the investment uh, pledge was uh, made in 2014, European allies and Canada have added more than 600 billion US dollars for defense. Last year, we saw an unprecedented rise of 11% across uh, European allies and Canada. So according to Stoltenberg, the secretary of NATO, all's well. You know, some are still not meeting that 2% goal, but spending has gone up dramatically and we're unified. And yes, we would defend any NATO country uh, against Russia. It's it's really something. Let's speak with Dr. Rob Hubert, who is an associate professor specializing in defense policy at the University of Calgary. Uh, Dr. Hubert, thanks for joining us again. It's always nice to chat. You know, it's always my pleasure. Okay, so where's the truth in all of this? Let's explain. When when, when Trump says you got to pay your bills, you got to pay your bills, there's no dues to be in NATO, but there is sort of an agreement that the countries have as to how they will fund this. Well, not fund it. Uh, how does it work? When he talks about spending, what does he mean? Well, I mean, of course. You, you get back to the fundamentals of the alliance. The alliance is a political collective security, the idea being at the heart it's if one gets attacked everybody gets attacked the question of course is how then do you do that and back in 2014 2015 nato always has these summit meetings once a year and this one was held at wales and at that summit meeting it the, the agreement was reached that all countries had to have their defense budget up to two percent of their overall gdp and you, you know you can say that's an artificial number where did that come from that was a general consensus that if everyone was doing two percent it spreads the 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 expense of the um, of the maintenance of the military capabilities and is is sort of a, a fair approach to it and and what has happened is that two percent number has almost been mythologized to a certain degree, but it is still, a, you know, it, it's a good indicator if you're really willing to pull your weight. And the problem is that there are some countries, and Canada is, is probably one of the best noted of them, that hasn't ever come anywhere close yeah. to that 2%. We're, we've hovered about 1.4, 1.3 
but worst of all of this is you never see an indication of us ever really showing any upward trend towards it. And so we're probably at the forefront of, um, of any discussion or thought amongst the Americans of those NATO countries not pulling their weight. Yeah, and we've talked about it before. The, the, the criticism from Trump is fair. Um, you're in this agreement, and the agreement says you need to spend 2% of your GDP on defense, and you don't do it. So the criticism is fair. The other well, piece... I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's fair, okay. because if you go and look, you look at the, you know, the, the, the French and the British have always had substantial payments. The Eastern European countries, keeping their memory of the so former Soviet Union, have have done so. The problem is, though, of course, is, is is there are some that aren't paying, and so the issue is whether or not those countries that are in the 1.3, 1.4 range, Canada, um, you know, some of the smaller uh, Luxembourg and and, and others. Um, that's that becomes part of the issue. But recognize what Trump has done is he's politicized this to a degree that we haven't seen where he's raised this issue of, well, is NATO as 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 solid as everyone thinks? And in that way, you know, you might say, OK, well, maybe he has a point about other countries not pulling their weight. The problem is the way that he has done it has basically weakened the alliance in the eyes of the very country, i.e. Russia, that it needs to defend against. That's the major concern here, right? I mean, if you take a look at the whole reason for being when it comes to NATO, it is as a, you know, a a pushback against Russia. And when you talk about this, you know, like Biden said, Vladimir Putin absolutely delighted to hear Donald Trump speak like this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are some supporters of Trump that are saying, okay, he needs to say this to get everyone out spending, and the fact that the Stalinberg was able to report that countries are spending more. Is it because of what Trump is saying, or is it the recognition that the Russian threat is becoming that much more dangerous? You know, there's an open debate on that. But it's still an issue. You don't tell your enemy that, hey, maybe, I, you know, as as the biggest military power there is, I may or may not choose to defend. I mean, it completely destroys the foundations of collective security. How damaging is it? Because we went through a Trump administration, and a lot of that rhetoric was bouncing around for those four years. Um, Stoltenberg saying the alliance is unified as ever, along with our foreign minister talking about this yesterday, Melanie Jolie, saying, nah, NATO's strong, NATO's fine, don't worry about it. I mean, there are no cracks actually appearing within the, the member countries, is there? Well, as far as we can see, there's not. But, I mean, once again, you got to be careful. When the Canadian, you know, foreign minister is saying, hey, there's no cracks, but at the same token has made no real significant movement, actual movement. I mean, there's a lot of promises. There's a lot of statements that we're always going to be doing it. And so we have to differentiate those two. But we stayed at the 1.3. So, I mean, she, you know, Canada is uh, under the entire administration of, of Trudeau. And one could also add... Uh, uh, the Harper regime of when it never got anywhere near the two percent, we're part of the the issue there. But I mean, of course, politically, and that becomes the important part. At least Canada saying no, we're a hundred percent behind this, and and so are all of the other NATO countries. And in terms of you know not just you know paying lip service here, you it, based on what we're seeing this week, there's a lot of money being thrown into defense by Canada. There was 237 million announced today for part of the operation that they're leading in Latvia. There was an announcement yesterday. So um, we've talked before about this, Rob, in terms of Canada and how serious they are about meeting their obligations when it comes to defense spending. Does this help that at all? 
Well, it hopefully helps. The biggest problem is, is that we've created these real substantial structural problems about meeting this. I mean, the, the government has said we're buying F-35s. It does say that we're going ahead with some type of replacement for our frigates. So they are on record of making those statements. We're buying new anti-submarine patrol aircraft. The problem that we've, we're shown, though, however, is that we have been so cuts-oriented towards D&D that it is lacking the personnel, it is lacking that sort of institutional capability of being able to rebuild itself now that these political decisions, and they are political decisions, have held back so long. So, you know, you hear the government saying, yes, we're going to buy the F-35s, and oh, by the way, D&D has to cut $1 billion, uh, but it's just going to be from con contractors yeah, yeah. that would allow us to actually buy the F-35s. So, you know... It's sort of like, okay, great. You're finally getting online. You're no longer saying that the F-35 can't do it. And you remember that's what Trudeau said. I don't know what, you know, when he became an air power expert, but, uh, you know, he never offered an alternative. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen that we won't work with the Australians, Brits, and Americans on new submarines. submarines yeah. um, so, you know, it's... <laughs> At least some of the political rhetoric that's starting to come out of this government is, you know, one one is hoping it's it's positive, but the capability and the actual decisions in terms of expenditures aren't quite so reassuring. Yeah, and and you make a really good point. Like you can talk about increasing spending to meet the goals, but you got a lot of catch up you got to play too. Even if you do meet some of these spending targets, you're still going to be way behind because you're not going to be covering any of the shortfall that's existed for, like you say, so many years like we're way behind yeah yeah we just i mean one of the big problems i i and i i didn't get a chance to validate it but our capability for the type of individuals that need to process expenditures to be able to sort of buy is was cut by about 50 percent at the end of the um, harper administration and once again i i haven't been able to validate it so i have to be a little careful but we've seen no replacement of going ahead. The other problem that we've created for ourselves is we've also developed such a risk averse. You know, every single time that somebody talks about any type of decision, the only thing that seems to be getting reported is all of a sudden, oh, this is going to cost so yeah. much. And and there's another bizarre thing that's been introduced, um, and you don't see it in any other departments within within Canada, but they talk about this this complete life uh, lifetime expense. So, you know, they're trying to say, okay, well, we're not only going to buy the F-35s, and we have to figure out what that's going to cost, but we have to figure out what it's going to cost to have the pilots, what's going to cost to repair it, and at the end of it, you get this, you know, the, the, this number, you know, and it's it's probably accurate, 120. Billion, or you know, the numbers all over the place, and people, you know, it creates a, a a shock factor that people just sort of say, "Well, that's such a huge number," and they're frozen into doing nothing. But the problem is, is that that type of budgeting, that type of um, I, there's a term for it, and I'm blanking on it. You don't, you know, how many of us turn around and look at the total cost of what a house is going to cost us? Um, before we make that purchase, you know, if you sit there and say, okay, well, what's the interest, what's yeah. the, the repair, what's the oil, what's the gas, whatever the energy source is, nobody does that. Um, and so it just seems kind of bizarre that we are almost setting ourselves up to be so shocked by how expensive it is that we never get around to doing it. And fall behind further and further and further because yeah. of it. 
Dr. Hubert, thank you so much for your time. Always a delight. Uh, I appreciate you joining us.